Good morning. Thanks, Jillian. And thank you for writing that song for us with a little bit of help from Brian. Um, Jillian wrote that song for the sermon series, and that is why it was so beautiful. And um, she offered that if we want to be listening to it during the week, we can just call you and you can sing it to us <laughs> over the phone. So here's her number. Okay. We won't do that. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Emily Schultz. I'm one of the pastors here at New Denver, and I get to be in charge today because it is men's retreat and my boss is out of town. Um, so today is week six in our nine-week series called You Are Not Your Own, and I'll give a bit of a recap of where we're at so far. But first, you may have heard this song. It came out earlier this year. It is called Numb Little Bug by M. Byhold, and we're going to listen to it because it actually captures really well where we're at in this series so far. Listen. I don't feel a single thing. Have the pills done too much? Haven't caught up with my friends in weeks, and now we're out of touch. I've been driving in LA, and the world feels too big, like a is such a conundrum to me because the words are very sad and yet I want to dance. So if you felt that like you were just itching, you can listen to it again after church because it's going to be stuck in your head all day. I can promise you that. Um, all right. We've said in this series that most of us, most of the time, if we're honest, are exhausted, anxious, and empty. We're worn out. We're discouraged. We're just surviving. We're a little bit tired of life. We're not really happy, but we don't want to die. We probably all have some good moments or days where we don't feel like this, but those are the exception, not the norm. For the most part, we're just hanging in there. We said that this exhaustion and emptiness that we feel isn't just due to our intense jobs or our intense kids or our intense season of life or our intense anything. We can't blame the weariness that we feel exclusively on external factors because the problem is something deeper. The problem is that we have bought into this lie I am my own, and I belong to myself. And it makes sense that we've bought into this lie because this lie is the creed of the modern Western world in which we live. It's the predominant viewpoint of our surrounding culture, and it infiltrates us constantly and in really sneaky ways. It's in the air that we breathe. We don't even realize that we're consuming this message because it's presented to us as just the way things are. It's everywhere around us, and yet we don't see it, or even when we do see it, we don't often recognize it as a lie. We've been brainwashed into this idea that I am my own and I belong to myself, and we've been taught to think that this is a good thing, 
You do you. If you can dream it, you can do it. It's your body and you're the boss. Speak your truth. Follow your heart. On and on these messages go that it is up to us to craft our identity, our truth, our values, to decide who we are, express that identity in the world, and then to become the very best possible version of that identity. And the world promises that if we do these things, you'll find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose. But it's a lie. Because what the world actually delivers is something very different. Many of us have been embracing and living out this creed our whole lives, but we aren't any closer to feeling fulfilled. Instead, we're, to one degree or another, exhausted, anxious, and empty. So as a community, the past couple weeks, we've begun to embrace a new creed, and it's this. You are not your own, and you belong to God. We find our identity in God alone. We find our meaning and purpose in God alone. We find our rest and fulfillment in God alone. Instead of continuing to carry these burdens and this lie of a life and identity that all depends on us, we release those to God and we open our hands to receive the life and identity and meaning and purpose and rest that he has for us. We trust that it's not up to us to make our lives fulfilling or good. Our lives are not ours to do what we want with. We belong to God, and God is the only one able to deliver on the promise of a full and fulfilling life. We remember the words of Jesus who says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. We are not our own. We belong to God. He is the shepherd. We are his sheep. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Our modern creed of I am my own only steals, kills, and destroys so we turn to Jesus, we reorient our lives around him, and then the exhaustion, anxiety, and emptiness we all feel magically goes away. Oh wait, it doesn't. If only it were that easy. So we turn to quick fixes, quick repairs to cope. And that's where we're picking up today. Author Alan Noble calls this posture the posture of resignation. We throw up our hands, we check out, and we cope with quick fixes. And there are a million of these. Pick your poison. We might turn to pills, weed, alcohol, porn, food, TV, scrolling, shopping, going on vacation. There are lots of ways to check out and cope with a life that feels really hard. And before we go any further, I just want to offer us some grace right here. Life is really hard, and we do all have to cope. Coping in and of itself is actually a necessary part of living in a broken, inhuman world. Coping is what helps us survive. But some ways of coping are better than others. I want to make a distinction between what I'm calling healthy coping and unhealthy self-medicating. I think there's a spectrum here. Norton showed you a diagram last week, and I thought, I can do that, but mine's not as fancy. Uh, <laughs> Our quick fixes all fall somewhere on the spectrum, and we'll call healthy coping a one and unhealthy self-medicating at the other end a 10. But there's a lot of gray area. It's not necessarily black and white where something falls. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about food. <laughs> at its best, food is a good gift given to us by God for the nourishment of our bodies. And without food, we die. But we all know that at times, even something as good as food can be turned into just another unhealthy self-medicating device. Two weeks ago, I celebrated my birthday. I invited my sisters over, and in the afternoon, we made a massive chocolate cake. And then my husband, Phil, came home from work, and he cooked us all dinner, and then for dessert, we all had a slice of this cake. 
we had plenty left over, so I gave some extra away to friends, and then I froze a few extra pieces to enjoy later. Then last Monday happened. Let me tell you, it was a day. I was sick, my kids were sick. By like 9 a.m., Teddy had spit up so much it soaked through not just one, but two of my sweaters. I had biffed it on the sidewalk after church on Sunday and skinned my knee really badly, so I was like limping around my house. Our garbage disposal in the kitchen had broken on Saturday, so it was really nasty. The sink kept backing up, and it was just hard to clean things. There was a pile of dirty dishes on the counter. So then I was feeding my kids on napkins instead of plates and telling them, eat with your hands so that it doesn't add to the pile of the dirty dishes. I knew Phil had something going on after work, so he wasn't going to be home until really late after the kids' bedtime. And so it just felt like it was all depending on me to hold our household together for the day. So at one point, I thought, you know, we can make this a fun little sick day. We'll just lay around in our pajamas and watch movies all day. This will be great. So for our morning movie, I pick Charlotte's Web which I had not seen in like 20 years, really didn't remember anything about it, except it's just supposed to be a cute little kid's movie based on a book about a spider and a pig. No. Do you guys know what happens in Charlotte's Web? Charlotte dies. And then the sketch YouTube version that we were watching just ended right there. Charlotte the spider dies, the end. My two-year-old Bailey had lost interest at that point, but Eva had been watching very intently. She's almost four, and she looked up at me and said, wait, she dies? It's over? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. And I thought, this cannot possibly be the actual ending of the movie. So I did a quick search, and I found one more clip of Wilbur the pig playing with Charlotte's babies who hatch after she dies. And that seemed to satisfy Eva a little bit. But still, it was super depressing. Would not recommend. <laughs> after that slightly traumatic experience, I fed my kids lunch on napkins and then got them down for nap time. And you know what I remembered? That cake sitting in the freezer. So I went and got myself a piece and ate it, quick fix. After nap time, we watched Mulan, which was a much better movie choice. And then I fed the kids dinner. We did bedtime. I got them down at 5.30 instead of our usual 7. And then you know what I did? More cake. Let's look at our spectrum one more time. If a one is enjoying a slice of cake after dinner on your birthday, surrounded by friends or family, and a 10 is eating an entire cake by yourself as your dinner, I think on Monday, when I ate that first piece as my lunch at nap time, I was probably at like a four. And then after bedtime, when I went for the second piece, I probably slid down the spectrum to like a seven. Do you guys get it? The same thing that can be a healthy coping mechanism and a way to deal with an inhuman world one day can become an unhealthy, self-medicating coping mechanism another day. This gets messy to discern, and we aren't here to judge each other's coping mechanisms. There's tons of grace for all of us in this. It's like a tug of war. Some coping mechanisms are healthier and more helpful than others, and we want to encourage one another in that direction. When I picture a tug of war, this is the classic image that comes to my mind. Let's watch this together. Let's choose sides for a tug of war. Muffy, you be one captain. Buster, you be the other. Muffy, choose your first player. This team looks good to me. That's fine. Okay then, the team that pulls the other team over this line wins. Who needs boys? Pull! Who needs 
All right, how many of you thought you were going to come to church and watch Arthur today? <laughs> None of you, okay. Uh, I'm a 90s kid. I grew up watching Arthur, and so I know the context here. Arthur and Muffy accidentally planned their birthday parties for the same day. So there's a little bit of boy-girl rivalry going on. But my favorite part of this clip is that Prunella, the girl in the back, ties her end of the rope to the jungle gym. The world will always be pulling us towards unhealthy self-medicating. And sometimes it feels like we just can't win. Like the game is rigged and we're pulling as hard as we can on one end of the rope, but the other end is tied to a metal pole. After all, a massive amount of our economy is devoted to coping mechanisms. Whole industries are designed to pull you in one direction, to convince you that what you need to fix your problems or drown your sorrows is just one more click, just one more sip, just one more slice, just one more vacation. The burdens we're carrying push us towards more and more and more coping and people and corporations want us to cope so that they can profit off of what becomes our unhealthy self-medicating. Netflix wants us to binge TV shows. Instagram wants us to keep scrolling. Every beer company wants us to keep drinking, and on and on it goes. With our culture constantly tugging us in the direction of unhealthy self-medicating, it can feel like we're up against a metal pole that isn't going anywhere. At this point in the series, we're beginning to get practical, beginning to ask the question, what do we do about all this? Because the reality is we can do some things. We aren't totally doomed to despair. We can take steps to live differently now and stop reinforcing and deepening the lie. There's hope. So I have one challenge for us today, and it's this. Resist self-medicating. As followers of Jesus, our call is to resist, to keep tugging on the other end of the rope, to keep moving in the direction of healthy coping. Our challenge today is for us to figure out how to form healthy habits of coping rather than habits of unhealthy self-medicating. And it's not about getting as close as we can to the middle of the spectrum without crossing over into sin. That's totally the wrong attitude. That's moving in the wrong direction. The challenge for us in resisting is to be moving as far as we can away from self-medicating into the direction of health and wholeness. And though it's not black and white, there are some principles or tips that can help us as we think about how to better cope. So I have three tips for us today to help us resist self-medicating and move in the direction of healthy coping. Here's tip number one, cope in community. When we cope in community with others, it usually goes better than when we try to cope alone. When we're surrounded by life-giving people, we get the support and encouragement that comes through relationship, and there's a piece of us that comes alive because we were created for a relationship. Now, not every person in your life will help with your coping. Some people might just drain you more or even try to pull you towards the side of self-medicating. Doing drugs or getting drunk in community is still unhealthy self-medicating, so this is not an exact science. And there is absolutely a real need for alone time, and some of us crave that more than others. So I'm not saying you always have to cope in community, but generally our coping habits tend to be healthier when we're not in isolation. Some of our worst coping happens when we're by ourselves. Do you say that rings true? Tip number two is to cope in nature. Again, you don't always have to cope outside, but just like we were created by God for community, we were created by God to enjoy this great big world that he's made. So as much as you can, cope in nature. Go outside and be refreshed by the sights and smells and sounds of a crisp morning or sit on a bench and watch the sunset once in a while. Go to a beach, play in the snow, crunch some leaves as you walk out today. There's so much to explore and enjoy in the world God has made, and when we get out into nature, oftentimes we find that it is a good, healthy way of coping with the hard parts of life. 
And number three is to cope without numbing. When we numb our pain, we numb our humanity. This is the inherent danger in self-medicating. Let's talk about medication for a second. Medicine is good. I'm a big fan of modern Western medicine. The purpose of medication is to heal us, or in some cases, to at least numb our pain, and that can be necessary at times. Some of us need to be taking our medicine, whether it's for our physical health or for our mental health. But going to a doctor, receiving a diagnosis for a certain ailment, and taking a prescribed medication is different than prescribing medication for ourselves. We've been conditioned to think that we can do everything ourselves, that we don't need experts or professionals telling us what to do because I can figure it out on my own if I just consult Google or YouTube or TikTok for a while. Self-medication reinforces the lie that I am my own and I belong to myself. I am my own doctor. Only I know what's best for me. Only I know what it'll take to heal this pain inside of me. But I am my own never delivers on what it promises. And when the numbing wears off, we feel worse than we did before. At the end of the day, our self-medicating is not helping. It's just deepening the despair. It doesn't give us the relief that we're looking for. It gives us very momentary, fleeting relief, and then it's gone, and it doesn't feel good after. We all know the feeling of binging too much TV or scrolling on our phones for too long. What started out as maybe just some innocent fun can easily slide down the spectrum into the realm of mindless entertainment that doesn't actually help to restore us. You know what I did when I was sick last week, way too much of? I played Wordle on my phone. I guessed random five-letter words probably hundreds of times, and that makes me think that I'm getting old if my habits now are making cake and playing Wordle. <laughs> There's not a clear line between what's okay and what's not okay. One slice of cake, two slices, three slices, one episode of a good TV show, four episodes, five. Somebody came up to me after the first service and confessed, I know what my coping mechanism is. I watch college football. Makes me wonder, how many games of college football on a Saturday? One, two, three? I need a definitive answer so I can go home. Someone's saying four. Oh, don't listen to her. I need to go home and tell my husband, how much football is too much football? There are not clear lines for this. I wish I could give you a one-size-fits-all answer today, and I can't. But I can venture to say that most of us do most of our coping on the unhealthy side of the spectrum. When our coping's at a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, it's only increasing our burden. That kind of coping doesn't do what we want it to do or accomplish. Coping that numbs for a while and then makes you feel more exhausted, anxious, and empty afterwards is not healthy coping. So resisting self-medicating means pulling the rope back towards health and rest or fun and enjoyment, pursuing things that make you come alive and steering away from the habits and behaviors that numb and deaden you inside. We are sick. This world is sick. But the answer isn't self-medication. We need a doctor. Only God can bring the rest and renewal and connection and presence and peace and joy that we're all longing for. God is the best doctor. He is the ultimate healer. Only he knows and understands the depth of our pain, can accurately diagnose where it came from, and knows what we need to fix it. As followers of Jesus living in an I am my own and I belong to myself world, we embrace our new creed that you are not your own, that we belong to God, and we live this out by resisting the temptation to self-medicate. Now, resisting the temptation to self-medicate requires three things. First, it requires self-reflection. 
It requires us each to honestly answer the question, how do I cope? Because we all do it. We all have our favorite ways of coping with our exhaustion, anxiety, and emptiness. It looks different for each of us, but we all cope, and at times we all self-medicate. We cope because something is hard, and coping gives us the ability to get through it. Let's just be honest that probably 95% of us are taking it too far in our coping mechanisms, or we're coping in ways that we don't even realize. The question is not if we cope, but how we cope. Do you know how you cope? It takes self-reflection, self-awareness, wisdom to know how you cope and when the ways you're seeking to cope are really just self-medicating and making you numb. And it's a bit of trial and error, but we can learn to identify and check in with ourselves to see how we're doing after we cope. Did that coping make me feel better or worse? Did I feel more rested or was I actually self-medicating and now I just feel more exhausted, anxious, and empty? Resisting self-medicating requires self-reflection, and it requires dependence on the Holy Spirit. If we stop at self-reflection alone, that only reinforces the lie that we are our own and that it's up to us to know what's good and what we need and to fix ourselves. Resisting self-medicating can't be done on our own because we all have blinders on. Pursuing healthier ways of coping requires me to have a relationship with God and be relying on the Holy Spirit to help me pull the rope in the direction of wholeness because I'm not my own. We cannot even move towards healthier coping on our own. And we no longer need to carry the burden and the lie that says it's all up to us. Through prayer, we ask God to show us where we're at with our coping and how he wants to bring us closer to wholeness. We look to him to heal us in ways that we cannot heal ourselves. We trust him to fill up the emptiness inside of us and make our lives worth living. Resisting self-medicating requires self-reflection, and dependence on the Holy Spirit. And finally, resisting self-medicating requires lots and lots of grace. First and foremost, we receive God's grace. God is not angry at us, shaking his head because we're coping. I cope, you cope, we all live in an inhuman world, and life is hard and overwhelming, and there are too many burdens placed on us, and we have to cope. So God is gracious with us in our coping. He's not mad or disappointed in us. He's sad that we live in a world that's placing such burdens on us that we feel like we have to go home and self-medicate. God has grace for us, and we need to have grace for ourselves, too, knowing that we will self-medicate at times. There will be days or weeks where we'll blow it, we'll overdo it. We receive God's grace, we show ourselves grace, and then we seek better ways of coping for next time. And we have grace with others, because we're all in the same boat. The burdens of today are real. There's so much on our plate. There's so much expected of us. There's always more we could be doing or doing better. The pressure to be perfect is real and it's exhausting. So it makes sense why we want to escape the rat race that is our everyday lives. I wish there was a quick fix to this problem. I wish the creed of our modern Western world would go away, that we would stop breathing this toxic air, that we would all deeply believe our new creed that you are not your own and live in light of it, and that our weariness and our desperation would just disappear. I wish that the tug of war would be over. Right now the game feels unwinnable, like the other end of the rope is tied to a pole. But don't forget, we have God on our side. Jesus says, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we know that the tug of war is actually already won. Someday, there will be no more struggle. 
There will be no more exhaustion, anxiety, or emptiness ever again. Our ultimate hope is in a different world, a world that has been fully renewed and restored and set right by Jesus. Someday we'll breathe clean air. We won't believe lies. We'll experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers and know in every fiber of our being that we are his and that that is a good thing. But for now, while we can't change the modern Western world, we can at least change how we cope. We can join together and keep tugging towards health, resisting self-medicating, and entrusting ourselves to God as the ultimate hope and healer. Let's pray. God, please show us this week when we're tempted to check out from the burdens of life. Help us see more clearly all the ways in which we cope. Help us discern when our coping is healthy and honoring to you and when it becomes unhealthy self-medicating and we're just numbing ourselves or slapping a Band-Aid on a much deeper issue. Give us the wisdom and the healing that can come from you alone. We love you, God. Amen.